It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Karen Bolin is a quilt teacher, lecturer, and pattern designer. She's drawn to the layers of design and expression possible in quilting and loves the learning that comes from experimenting. Her designs are out of the box and integrate a love of geometry, experimentation, interconnection, depth, and texture. Karen teaches and writes quilting patterns with an encouraging and engineering influence methodological approach. While her classes blend lecture, demonstration, and discussion, and include ample hands-on time for students to experience and practice new techniques with individual instruction. She always teaches with a focus on fun and skill building. At the same time, she carefully and compassionately guides students beyond their comfort zones to new levels of enjoyment, creativity, and skill. Well, I'm so excited to get to talk with you today, Karen knowing that you're from my hometown of Santa Rosa, California. Thank you. I'm looking forward to this chat. Can you tell us where you were born and raised? I am from not too far away from Santa Rosa. Actually, I was born in Petaluma and grew up there. Petaluma is in Northern California, just about an hour north of San Francisco, for those of you who know where that is. You don't know how excited that makes me feel. <laughs> My husband that didn't grow up out there knows the song that I heard almost every day writing to school. It was NAPA replacement parts, Petaluma auto parts, and we all still sing it. <laughs> Do you have a special childhood memory? It's so hard to come up with favorite of anything, which you will hear later on as you ask me for more favorite things. So in Petaluma, it was one of the few places, I think, that allowed backyard chickens to be raised in city limits because of the history in Petaluma of having poultry as part of the city's history. So we had chickens growing up as a kid, and every once in a while there would be a box on the porch and chickens would get dropped off at our house. We had sometimes between two and 13 chickens, and I enjoyed them so much. I would go outside, I would feed them, I would play with them. Once some chickens got dropped off that had been raised inside somebody's house, living in the house with them, which is not the best place for chickens. And these chickens were so friendly and they were addicted to Coca-Cola. They would jump up to grab food out of your hands and they were my favorite chickens. With Coca-Cola having caffeine, did that affect them? Well, we didn't feed them in Coca-Cola. We heard about this from the person who dropped them off. We didn't try feeding them Coke, <laughs> but... They were well-trained to be more pet-like chickens, even though they started loving outside after they lived with us. How fun. 
when I think of the chicken industry, I think of Pengrove. Was it stronger in Pengrove? Maybe. I mean, there are chickens all over. I think Petaluma claims to have invented the incubator, which was quite a long time ago. If that is true or not, I cannot confirm. But there is a lot of chicken raising in that area, probably because of that longstanding history. Well, I would believe it because I know it was a big industry there. Before we go on, did you skate at Snoopy's ice skating rink? I did. (laughs) So you grew up in Petaluma and after high school, did you have employment? Starting in high school, actually, my first job was math tutoring at the local math tutoring center in Petaluma. I loved math. And in college, well, I started by going to Santa Rosa Junior College. I thought I would be studying math, but I changed my major to engineering partway through. So I tutored throughout high school and college. And then I went to Humboldt State for engineering and continued to tutor. And I took some engineering internships during college. So after college, did you come right back to Sonoma County? At the very last semester in college, I had an internship in Humboldt County, but it was for a very small firm and they didn't have any openings. I mean, when I say small firm, there were three of them and me, the intern. They didn't have the ability to take on and full-time staff. So I started applying throughout the state for jobs. I went on a road trip with my mom right after college. And I think we were about in Los Angeles when I got a call from my roommates who said, you keep getting all of this mail from the state. So I had them open the mail and I ended up getting a couple of job offers from the state of California. One of them was in Santa Rosa. I got that job in Santa Rosa because I loved growing up in Sonoma County and I thought it would be nice to come back to my local area. So I moved to Santa Rosa right after college and started working for the state as a drinking water regulator. Oh, interesting. What does a drinking water regulator do? Well, any public drinking water system in the state and actually in the country, every state has their own version of the Safe Drinking Water Act, is required to conform to certain health-based standards to make sure that drinking water is safe for people to drink. So a drinking water regulator is one of a team of people that helps to make sure that everybody is following the rules and hopefully serving safe drinking water. And one of the things I liked about working for the state was instead of getting really mad at people for making a mistake, we formed relationships where we would help different water systems comply instead of punishing them for non-compliance. And that way we were able to help when emergencies came up, 
we were able to respond quickly to make sure that everything was as safe as it could be. That's great. The water industry is great, I think, because everybody, maybe with very, very few exceptions, everybody that works in the drinking water industry is there because they want to provide a public service and they feel like drinking water is an important part of everybody's health. So it's nice because you're pretty much surrounded by people who love their jobs and feel like what they're doing is important and want to do the best work that they can do. It's a nice area to work in. Mm -hmm. We are so blessed in our country to have clean drinking water that we don't realize what we have, I think, at times. Are you still working as a regulator? I am not. In 2017, I left my job at the state. I thought I was going to start a career in quilting at that point, or more so, I wanted to take a break. It wasn't very much longer after that that I got another engineering job. This time I was working for a private company who did design work. And of course, I was the engineer specializing in drinking water treatment designs. I got a lot of good experience there. But a few years later, I left that job again. And now I am working on my business only as a quilter, quilt teacher, and pattern designer. Oh, cool. It has to be exciting, and we'll get into that here shortly. Karen, is there anything else about your family or growing up that you wanted to share? I am grateful to have grown up in my family. We are a nice, close, small family, and I owe a lot of my independence and courage to my mom, who was a single mother who started her own business, and my sister, who is very stubborn, but in the best possible way, because she doesn't let anything stop her from doing what she wants in life. So surrounded by two really wonderful family members definitely gave me a lot of what I have now. Those family ties can be so strong and great. Well, besides quilting, are there other crafts that you do or that you've done? I have a history of trying just about every single craft. I think maybe a lot of you all listening have that in common with me. When I was a teenager, I didn't like any of the clothes at the stores, so I started making a lot of my own clothing. I've done knitting. I have done a lot of different art. Actually, my husband was watching me struggle with making a stuffed octopus for our first nephew. And he was like, let me show you how to do this. Of course, he had never done any knitting in his life. But that started a really fun adventure where both of us would make knitted stuffed animals for all of the kids in our family. So that was fun. He also likes art and is an artist. Recently, we have been 
going to a figure drawing group, which is a fun way for me to work on art, kind of hone my design and observation skills, but also it's the fun escape from the business side of quilting these days. And it's nice to be able to do different types of crafts because they all relate to each other. Mm-hmm. Are there other hobbies that you have? I asked my husband for help on this one because quilting maybe used to be my hobby, but I think it doesn't count anymore because now it's my business. I would say that if I had to choose a hobby, it would be working on my house, which isn't quite a hobby. I'm trying to picture how working on your house could show up in your quilting. But that is my next question. Do you think your hobbies show up in your quilting at all? Well, one way working on my house does show up in my quilting is that I do a lot of geometric designs in my quilts. And one of the quilts that I made is called Lighted by the Blinds. It was a modern quilt guild quilt of the month. And it's a funny named quilt, but the inspiration for that quilt is actually the light coming through the blinds on my windows. So working on my house gives me an opportunity to pay attention to the details and the shapes of my house. And it directly inspires my quilting for sure. That's so exciting when it actually can tie together there. That is really cool. Tell me about who introduced you to quilting. You heard that I worked for the state when I got out of college. And my next door cubicle mate is a quilter. And she would bring in a new quilt pretty much every month for each holiday and hang them on the wall in her cubicle. And she brought me to my first Quilt Guild meeting. A couple of years before that, actually, while I was still in college, my aunt, who lives in Vermont, made her first quilt. She learned at a quilt shop in Vermont and sent it to me as a gift. I was honored. It actually still lives on my bed today. So both of those people encouraged me to start quilting. And it was pretty much a destiny waiting to happen. (laughs) You mentioned your friend invited you to the quilt guild. Now, did you start going to the quilt guild as you started quilting or had you made a quilt before you actually went to your first meeting? I had never made a quilt when I went to my first meeting. I was fortunate to be in a city big enough to have actually two active quilt guilds. And I joined one of them who met at night when I could make it there because I was working. And another group that was meeting in Petaluma actually focused on modern quilting. So between those two groups, I had a lot of brand new friends and connections in the quilting world. The Quilt Guild gave me a lot of opportunities for education. I took every single class they offered and learned a lot. So you were part of a quilt guild that had classes. That's interesting to me. Yes, our quilt guild has two meetings a month, the business meeting and the program meeting. And in the program meeting, we invite teachers from all over 
to come at the lecture and present a class. I think we have about eight to 10 teachers a year come for education to the guild. And on top of that, we do other guild activities on business meeting nights where we have block of the month, friendship blocks, community quilts, a lot of activities. Actually, last month I presented at our annual round robin where guild members share a very quick little skill with the rest of the group. We had five of us in the guild presenting and then the audience would move from station to station. So I got to give my presentation about cutting curves with a straight ruler five times in a row that night. It was fun. Can you describe your favorite quilt? Again, I'm so terrible at choosing favorites of anything. But I do have to say that my favorite quilt is called Folded Flyers. It is in the background of my portrait picture. And it is a quilt made out of over 200 folded flying geese units. These are three-dimensional flying geese. It's hard to see in the photograph, but they were precision pieced and cut and folded to resemble flying geese. And the pattern is my own design. I came up with it while I couldn't sleep one night. And to get all of the precision in there, which isn't always what I enjoy doing, I had the wonderful assistance from my quilting friend, Kathleen. It's a beautiful quilt, and it sounds like it came out the way you had pictured it. Oh, it is more than wonderful. It is my favorite quilt, hands down. It was actually shown at QuiltCon in 2019 and was in Curated Quilts Gallery in their triangle issue. I love that quilt so much. It's always a showstopper when I bring it to lectures for quilt guilds. People are amazed when they come up close and realize that each of those flying geese is actually folded. You could stick your finger underneath them because they're not attached the way that you would expect. So it's a conversation piece and a beautiful quilt. There's a lot of white in it, so it lives at Kathleen's house because she's good at keeping things clean. (laughs) And what tool are you so happy that you have? Again, with the favorites, which are so hard for me to choose, but one tool I tend to use a lot is my seam roller. It's a tool actually designed, I think, for applying wallpaper. But instead of getting up from my machine and ironing at every step, I can use my seam roller to press the seams open or to the side without having to get up off the machine. So more sewing. Huh. And that keeps it flat enough or at least flat enough to do the next part of sewing until you can get to your ironing board? It does. It's stronger than a finger presser. So it puts a good crease in the seam Definitely a good enough crease that you can use that seam pressed when you're piecing the blocks together. Wow. What part of the process do you like the best or do you like each step along the way? I definitely like each step along the way, except for one. And I think we'll get there. I cannot stop designing quilts. 
I think about quilts all the time, walking down the street, driving in the car while I'm trying to sleep at night and I can't see anything at all. I am constantly designing quilts. I love figuring out how I'm going to turn a design into reality. And then we can kind of gloss over the piecing, which is fine. I like to sew fast. So if I can come up with an efficient method, that makes it more enjoyable for me. I love, 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 love free motion quilting. It is so much fun. I have a long arm and a domestic machine. I like using both of them for different jobs. One time I was long arming and I was doing some free form feathers and I caught myself laughing. It was so much fun. I love the quilting step. And finally, the last step in the process is my least favorite, the binding. Fortunately, my quilting friend Kathleen loves binding. So if I have a finished quilt, you can almost count on it being bound by Kathleen. (laughs) (laughs) Does she trade you for another part? Yeah, we collaborate a lot. It's wonderful to have a good quilty friend that balances your skill sets and the things that you enjoy. Like I said, she loves precision and binding, and I love quilting and designing. We work really well together. That's so neat. Share your worst quilting experience. This one is hard to come up with because... The reason I love quilting so much is that I don't tend to have bad experiences quilting. When I first learned how to do free motion quilting, I was ambitious. I'm still ambitious, but I hadn't really taken any lessons or thought a lot of things out. I was over at Kathleen's house. Actually, I brought my machine over so we could sew together and I was free motion quilting on the first quilt I ever made for my bed. I had come up with this idea to make ever larger spirals. And by the time I got to the big spirals, I was free motion quilting a 15 inch circle, which was absolutely not fun because to free motion quilt a 15 inch circle, You have to start and stop so many times to get around that circle. It almost never got finished. That quilt took forever and it took a lot of motivational speaking from Kathleen to get me to finish that quilt. Now that it's done, I love it so much and I'm glad that I continued on with my plan. But it was it was not a fun process by the time I made it to those big circles. Sounds like it was tempting to make a plan B. Or did you just say, this is what I wanted and I'm forcing myself to go with it? It's nice that you made that comment. On that quilt, I didn't come up with a plan B. I continued on until I finished. But I have had the experience more recently of starting a quilt with a certain quilting plan and then coming up with a plan B because it wasn't going the way I wanted. One of the things I like about quilting is that it gives me the freedom to be in charge and to do the things that I want to do. If I was quilting something that I didn't enjoy or I didn't like the look of, 
I am able to change my mind and I can either change my mind by ripping stuff out, which I don't like, or I can change my mind and come up with a plan that seamlessly transitions into something else. And that's what I enjoy doing. Neat. Why do you think you stick to making quilts rather than spend your time doing something else? I would say that quilting is one of the activities that, because I love every part of the process, keeps me interested the entire time. I love picking out fabric. I love playing with colors. I love touching fabric. I love folding fabric. I even like ironing it because I get to look at it. So the entire process using fabric keeps me interested because it excites my senses. And then on top of that, just the infinite possibilities with design and planning the construction is so much fun for me. Mm -hmm. It's so much fun when you enjoy so many aspects of it. Sometimes I'm surprised that not everybody is a quilter because it gives me so much joy. <laughs> it is surprising, isn't it? And Karen, who do you make your quilts for? I am terrible at giving gifts, mostly because I never feel like my quilts suit other people. So most of the quilts I make, I keep. Some of them I make for the enjoyment of making them. And some of them I make for how I want them to look in the end. I'm sitting right now on my couch underneath a quilt that I made as an experiment to work on an idea I had in my head about a pattern, but it's actually perfect for my couch. I have a lot of quilts that fall into that type of category where I start them as an experiment, but surprise, surprise, they end up being a perfect fit for some place in my house. I find sometimes I know I'm making it for somebody else, but I kind of wanted to keep that one. I do make quilts for other people, but not as often. And it's difficult for me to feel confident giving them away. Do you have a special project going on right now? At the moment, I am working on the mini quilt for the Modern Quilt Guild exchange. Probably after this podcast is published, that will already have happened. I have about 80-something unfinished projects. The one that I'm trying to finish at the moment is a special quilt that is all about relaxing. I'm trying to use it almost as a therapy quilt to remind myself to relax as I'm working on it. So hopefully we'll see that one coming to an end at some point. I don't know if I will have learned to relax by the end of it, but I, at least I will have spent many hours trying. Do you have some kind of system to keep track of those 80 projects you have going? About a year ago, I bought some storage drawers that have wheels on them that you're supposed to put under your bed. And I have them underneath my long arm. I 
put my unfinished projects down there in order of completion. So I have one box full of just blocks where I need more parts to be able to finish a quilt top. I have a box of finished quilt tops that are ready for quilting. I have a box of unfinished, partially quilted quilts. And then I have a box of quilts that need to be bound. That sounds like a good system. It is, except why would I have an entire box of quilts that don't have binding? (laughs) (laughs) Because Kathleen hasn't bound them for you yet. Exactly. (laughs) Share a quilting tip. Like I mentioned earlier, I teach classes and I give lectures. So I'm one of those people that loves to talk about quilting tips. You can't stop me from talking about quilting tips. One quilting tip that goes over really well is something that surprisingly I don't think a lot of people have heard. When I first started sewing, my aunt actually, who made me her first quilt, taught me about straight grain and bias in fabric. We were looking at clothing construction. And this tip that she taught me is one that I still use today in quilting. If you're trying to adjust your tension so that you have perfect tension with your sewing machine, start by sewing a diagonal line across a square of fabric. And if you stretch it along that bias and the thread breaks on the top, that means the top thread was too tight and you need to reduce your tension. If the thread breaks on the bottom, that means the top thread was too loose and you need to increase your tension. If neither thread breaks or they both break, you have balanced tension and you can continue piecing with perfect tension. You can use that tip for quilting as well. If you're free motion quilting, walking foot quilting, or even long arm quilting, if you quilt along the diagonal, do the same technique. You can adjust your tension to perfection. Wow. So to test it, do you just have like two squares together? To test it or just on one square, or do you test it on a square with batting in between to test it that way? I test it in whatever scenario that I'm testing it for. So if I'm piecing, especially if I'm piecing about a million half square triangles, I'll test it on two squares of fabric on the bias. If I'm quilting and I know I'm going to be quilting on the diagonal or even circular motions, you know, where you have quilting on the diagonal part of the time, I'll test it on my quilt sandwich, either on the edge of the quilt sandwich or on a scrap made up of the same fabric and batting. Thank you. I'm going to be using that tip this week. If you would like a more illustrated process, I actually did write a blog post about that technique. Describe how you went from having quilting as a hobby to it becoming a business for you. I was working as an engineer for that private company and submitted a pattern idea to curated quilts. They accepted it. They wanted it. So I published my first pattern with curated quilts and it was so much fun. Before that, though, I had taught a couple of times for my local guild We have a lot of activities, like I said, including basic skills series, 
where each guild member has the opportunity to teach something to other people. I taught their best class ever, of course. I say this myself, but I got a lot of wonderful feedback in free motion quilting, just the basics of free motion quilting. And it reminded me how much I loved teaching. Like I said in the beginning, I tutored math in high school and throughout college. And I love being able to find that thing that helps students finally understand something. It's more fun almost than quilting itself. So with that enjoyment under my belt and the enjoyment of writing a pattern, again, trying to come up with a way for people to understand how to do something that they may not be able to figure out on their own, or maybe they don't want to figure out on their own the best method. It's so much fun. When I had the opportunity to start doing that more and more, I kept taking those opportunities. I decided last year that it was time to do this full time. How exciting. Share the business name you came up with in why you chose to name your business that. The business name I came up with is Karen Boland Designs. And the reason I came up with it actually is an encounter I had at QuiltCon a couple of years ago. I met one of my quilting idols and she goes by her name. I decided I want to be just like her. Therefore, I decided my business has to be Karen Bolin. So you got to go to QuiltCon before you started your business. Share with me a little bit about what is QuiltCon like? QuiltCon is maybe first a quilt show where you get to look at a lot of really beautiful and inspiring quilts. I love going to quilt shows because I always see something in a quilt that triggers my imagination, makes me see quilting in a different way. And QuiltCon is a place where you can see about 400 of those inspiring quilts. There are also classes, and especially before the pandemic, it was an opportunity to take classes with teachers outside of my local area who I wouldn't necessarily be able to take classes from because travel isn't necessarily in the budget for every guild. Moreover, it is a networking opportunity. The first time I went to QuiltCon, I didn't know anybody. But as I started to use Instagram, I started to make some online friends and I was able to meet them for the first time at QuiltCon. Even up to last year, I stayed with two people I had never met before, but we had already become friends online. So it felt perfectly comfortable. It is a place where even introverts feel excited about getting to meet people. <laughs> Now, when you started offering classes, do you remember how it felt when the first person signed up to take one of your classes? Like I said, my first class was actually for my local guild, and it was completely full. So that was exciting. I felt good that people had the at least curiosity to find out how I was at teaching, and it felt even better when I started to get 
emails and phone calls and even a card in the mail about how everybody enjoyed themselves so much. I started teaching at the local quilt shop and the first time that I ever saw somebody make one of my patterns, it just blew me away. It was so inspiring to see somebody take my instructions and make a quilt that is their personality and my personality combined. It's a feeling like no other. Karen, where can we find your business? You can find me online. I made it really easy. My website is karenbolin.com. There you can see my blog where I share tips and tricks. I share the workshops and lectures that I have available for quilt guilds and quilt groups. And you can see a small gallery of my work. Great. I had the opportunity to check out your website and it's very easy to follow and very easy to find what you want on there. So you did a great job. Oh, I forgot to mention that I also have quilt patterns for sale on my website. I have two right now self-published. They're available on my website and also through Quilt Pattern Mart. Quilt Pattern Mart is a woman-owned business and it is a place for independent designers to sell their quilt patterns online. So you can check them out also, not just me up there in Quilt Pattern Mart. Great. Thanks for that information. Karen, thank you so much for joining me on A Quilter's Life. I so appreciated talking to you and hearing your story. And thank you so much. This was a fun experience. Uh, Thanks for asking me some good, thoughtful questions. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.